Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, for the evening, and tonight we're being joined by Colin. Hey, guys. And Brady. Hey, guys. And it's uh, June 21st, 2017. We're going to pick back up on our recruiting series, and uh, tonight we're being joined by a guest that uh, has really been kind of cool to us the last few days. We're really happy to have him on board. He's going to be part of the Big 12 Country staff. Uh, Say hi, Skyler. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. No, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, real quickly, just to kind of uh, – this is kind of our first real uh, big introduction to the West Virginia fan base. I have a feeling because we've had so many follows the last few weeks or so from them. Uh, real quickly, Skyler's going to come on board with us. Um, who, who else from your staff or whatever is going to come on and help us and kind of explain what you guys uh, are going to do? Yeah, uh, John Stanley, he's uh, pretty much our big web uh, designer, graphic designer. Uh, at com, He's going to be coming over and helping doing some stuff with you guys as well. Um, I'm the co-founder, well, the, found, the founder and co-owner of WVNation.com. It's been a website for two, almost three years now, covering WVU sports. Uh, originally just started out just to be football, and then we turned it into basketball, baseball, and now even soccer. So we're, we're pretty much covering every angle of WVU uh, sports, and we just recently started covering uh, the West Virginia Black uh, Black Bears are the single way uh, minor league baseball team for the Pirates. So we're we're expanding our coverage base a little bit, and uh, we're we're just excited to, to be able to partner up with you guys. That's for sure. And you can follow uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WVU Sports two four seven. Like our Facebook page, we're we pretty much found everywhere. Uh, our podcast on Twitter, you can find it at Between the Ears. Awesome, awesome, and yeah, we really appreciate that because. Um, I mean, you guys are just going to – you're going to make us a lot better. You guys are uh, for, obviously for sources of information, but just the graphics. And uh, if you guys don't know the website we talked about coming out pretty soon, it'll be – these guys are going to make it look like a lot better, you know, way better than anything I think we would have been able to pull off. <laughs> so no offense We're to – our best, that's for sure. No offense to our people on staff. But, no, no offense to Cullen. Yeah, but it's going to end up being a lot fire. better. So. Hey, hey, who would have thought that uh, two West Virginians would have been able to do something with technology? <laughs> I, I ain't going to – lie it ain't the first it's not the first place i would have looked i ain't gonna lie um, but i mean you Me know, either. The, it's the miracle that we even put this show together so i get that no problem at all um okay so we're for those I, again this is probably going to be a lot of west virginia fans i'm assuming first time for hearing us based on and that's just looking at the numbers we've had from their shows in the past and the fact we haven't had that many followers um we've expressed our disappointment in the past of being able to try to get a hold of the West Virginia fan base. It's, um, it's been really hard for us to get into those guys and, and really get their attention and everything. Hasn't something, hasn't been something we've been able to do no matter what. So you coming on board has really helped us with that. And to kind of do that, we'll kind of catch you guys up on what's going on. Um, this is a series that we started, I don't know what, probably a month ago, roughly, yeah, roughly. Uh, about a month ago, uh, where we, we go back and kind of look at everybody's spring game and their spring season, their, you know, the, kind of the whole spring as a whole. Uh, we talk about what we learned, you know, uh, the new faces that may pop up, uh, who we can expect to really take off and lead this, this, the teams each year. Um, that, and, again, this is our first year, if you're not familiar, so this is a whole new series for us. It's something we plan on doing every year. We started in September, if you're not familiar with us. 
So, um, you know, this is just kind of touch and go. Uh, and it, I know so, and I've actually been asked a few people are curious about our, our opinions on teams and what we think. We are going to get to that. Uh, it's coming up in our, we do a previews. It was the first thing we ever did, which was last July, August-ish, whatever that was. Do not go back and listen yeah, to those. Yeah, do not go back and listen to those shows. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's probably pretty rough on the audio and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, we, we did a preview of each team and what we thought they would do. And that's what we're going to do coming up at the end of July and August, and then we're going to roll it to the season. So to kind of let everybody know that has asked us for our opinions, that's why I don't go out of my way. Again, this is Corey, by the way, for those of you who are still new to us. Uh, usually, if you see a post on Twitter 90% of the time, what, 75% of the time, something like that, it's probably me. Um, so the, those of you who I have responded to, I apologize. It's just not something we want to get into yet uh, to reveal our opinions on things. So, um Again, thank you guys for coming on board with us. We really appreciate that. Anything else you want to add or let the people know since you're coming on board with us? Uh, not too much. Just I'm glad to be able to do this and get partnered up. And we're, we're ready to rock and roll. And hopefully we'll get your guys' West Virginia fan base, uh, you know, followers, followers up and get, get things going. Because I know West Virginia fans, they, once, once season comes around, you guys are going to start seeing that increase in numbers. That's for sure. That, that's exactly what we're hoping for because it, again it, it, I, can you call is there a fan base we've had more trouble with than West Virginia Tech uh, maybe yeah maybe Tech or Iowa G State TCU oh yeah definitely TCU low, yeah TCU's been pretty low yeah. too well and and Skyler the the main reason we started this whole project was Corey you know out of the blue randomly texted us one day and was like we're starting a podcast and I'm like go buy your equipment and we just felt like the, the Big 12 as a whole didn't have enough coverage from the media. I mean, you always have your schools like Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, yeah. They're getting all the coverage, while some of the smaller schools, the, the Kansas and Iowa States, Oklahoma States, those schools, West Virginia, for instance, around here, outside of when Oklahoma or OSU plays West Virginia, nobody really cares. And we don't really hear from yeah, them. Yeah, we don't like, We don't really – I mean, we do <laughs> because we're huge college football fans and we watch it. But, like, for instance, I, you know, I've never been shy about telling people that we're Oklahoma, we're in Oklahoma. Obviously, we grew up Oklahoma fans other than Colin, he's an Oklahoma State fan. Um, but, you know, we, <laughs> we – even that, even knowing that, we still saw a void. I mean, obviously, being an Oklahoma fan, we get a lot of coverage. I understand that. But it was upsetting to me yeah. to see the lack of coverage for the rest of the league. And so, you know, I'm willing to put that aside, try to stay neutral and, and really try to cover this league to the best of our ability, because I just I got tired of I got tired of watching the, the Big 12 get slung through the mud. I mean, obviously, this is a conference we grew up in a little different for y'all uh, and care a lot about. And, you know, just got tired of the I, I got so sick of by this point last year of the Big 12 is, is on its deathbed and, and we're just waiting on it to die off. Like somebody just go put a bullet in its head and get it over with. And, and you know, I, I just got so tired of that narrative. So. Um, I thought, you know, if it, even if it does die for now, we might as well try to cover it to the best of our ability. So that's kind of well this whole Absolutely. project started. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing is, you know, we haven't been in the Big 12 for all that long. I, mean, we only, I think this is year six maybe going into the Big 12. And, you know, going back to that, that whole year when all the conference realignment was going on, everyone expected us to go to the SEC, actually, because everyone saw it as a fit. Everyone said, you know, we're in the southeast technically. Um, everyone just thought, you know, us playing teams like Florida, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, they'd be good for recruiting everything. The only thing that lacked for us was the facilities at the time. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the facilities to get in. And we were, I think they said two sport, two varsity sports shy of the requirement to get into the SEC. So that took us out of the SEC talk. We didn't want nothing to do with the Big Ten because we just felt we weren't a good fit for the Big Ten for some reason. Yeah. And then the ACC was actually probably the best 
fit for us techno like you know geographically Louisville, we had yeah. Pitt, syracuse louisville all those big east teams go to the to the acc now virginia tech miami old big east teams go to the acc well, that brought back so many big east rivalries for us but for some reason the acc has just always pushed us aside and had you know won nothing to do with us so we just said screw it and when we got together with the big 12 we've been happier ever since i know a lot of big uh you know a lot of west virginia fans and 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 even some of the Big 12 fans that I've talked to love the fact that we're in the conference now to kind of give the conference a little bit of a different look, having to come clear out to the East Coast and, and play a game. But we love it. I, I'm a big fan of the Big 12. I love it because we actually get to play big-time teams like Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, instead of playing, you know, Connecticut and South Florida every week. So right. <laughs> it's definitely an upgrade. And, and i tell you what, we've never had any big games at West Virginia except for maybe that one game in 07. Mm-hmm. That we don't like to talk about in, in the backyard <laughs> brawl, but we have them all the time now. We love it. Yeah, and, and I, I'll be honest. I'm glad you guys came too. It was something that when it first happened, I don't. I'll be honest. I wasn't so open to the idea. I thought, you know, you know, I'm glad we're, we're glad they're coming. We're glad we get another team. But I'm not sure how this is going to work because, you know, at the time it was geographic, geographic, geographic. It's just never going to work. And, exactly. and, I, and obviously, there was no regional rivalries in this conference for you guys yet, or anything like that. And then. I think what really just automatically started changing opinions, if you'll if think back to, I believe it was the 2012, the first year you guys were in the league, maybe 13, whatever year that was, uh, when uh, mm-hmm. Landry Jones in Oklahoma came up there and there was that really close game. I know yeah. um, it kind of gave them a little bit of credibility in the conference. People are like, okay, these guys can compete, you know. And, you know, it, I know me personally, I've enjoyed playing you guys ever since. It's been fun to watch and all that. So, um, and, and again, like I was telling you off the air, I – I have learned a lot about the fan base and the standpoint that I, you know, not that I never respected them, but I didn't understand how dedicated West Virginia fans were until we really started getting into this. And honestly, for the most part, pretty intelligent fans. There's, there's, um, we won't say his name, but there's a certain guy on Twitter, uh, rather fam- famous West Virginia fan that, um, you know, he throws haymakers off the pl- and just sees what sticks at the wall. But for the most part, you know, talking to them online, there's been a lot of really educated fans. So uh, it's really nice to see another fan base like that that really cares about the sport and the game and the conference. And the other thing we were talking about the other day on the show was how much you guys, you know, we were noticing how happy West Virginia and TCU fans were just in the last year or so about being part of the league, whereas there's other teams that are kind of like, yeah, whatever. And uh, I think a lot of that has (laughs) also to do with the money. Um, you know, looking yeah. at the revenue, you guys have made a crap ton of money compared to what you guys were making in the Big East, especially in its last years as it was dying. So, you know, real quickly, you want to talk about that and how much that's helped the program? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, when we were getting ready to, to switch conferences, we were almost that team that didn't have a home for a second because we were nervous. So we almost thought we were going to be an independent school for a couple of years because we had no home to go to. ACC didn't want nothing to do with us. SEC didn't want nothing to do with us. We didn't want the Big Ten. So, I mean, there's only two other big, you know, power five schools or conferences left. Obviously, we're not going to get a play in the, in the Pac-12. That's just not realistic. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. So, the, the, big, the big 12 was kind of like our only last resort, and they looked at us. And, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge guy on the expansion stuff, but, you know, all I know is somehow the two sides have got together and, and, you know, agreed. I think Oliver Luck had a big, big part to do with that. You know, mm-hmm. he being from the Texas area mm-hmm. and being our athletic, athletic director at the time was huge for us to get into the Big 12. And then also having Dana Holgerson, even as the head coach of, for the football team, you know, he was here for a year before he moved to the Big 12. Yeah. I'm sure he had a big part into that. And honestly, you know, if you look at where West Virginia is now, I, I'm not really sure – 
if we would be the same, you know, level of where we are in, you know, athletics wise as if we were to be in the Big East still or the American Conference or something like that. Because, like you said, the revenue is just absolutely crazy right now for us. I mean, we're getting, you know, the facilities updated constantly now. It seems like, you know, the, the Coliseum for basketball is being updated completely, getting a whole new facelift on it. It's going to look brand spanking new. Uh, the the Milan Pushkar Stadium is getting a brand new uh, – they got brand new turf last year. Uh, we got a new scoreboard being installed on the opposite end of the end zone this year. I mean, it's just constantly new stuff coming along. And I'll tell you what, we're, we're loving it because it's almost like, you know, throwing a poor kid millions of dollars and he has no idea what to do with it yet. So we're, we're absolutely loving it. Plus, again, with the Big 12, we're getting more exposure than we've ever had. I mean, even talking about that, that year in 07 where we were almost the national championship, we did get a lot of exposure, but – now that we're in the Big 12, it's almost every single week that we're getting some type of exposure, whether it be through ESPN or you know Fox Sports or something. We're getting that attention now that we – I wouldn't say we're an elite program by any means, but we're we're looked at as, I would believe, a program that's you know on its way up. We're trending upwards, I think, especially with Dana Holgerson uh, as the head coach. I think he's a, a great fit for us, um, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. But um, I, I just like the direction of, of the athletic program as a whole. You know, I think basketball's in, in a good direction. Um, obviously, finishing second in the conference the last couple of years, you can't, you know, ever doubt a guy like Coach Huggins. So I think, you know, in, in baseball, we just, you know, fin- we just uh, made the tournament in baseball for the mm-hmm. first time in 21 years. Yeah. So, I mean, us being able to get that revenue is just a big help for us. Yeah, and again, that's the number one thing I've noticed. The facilities, uh, it's it really paid off dividends, and, and again, it's such a big part of recruiting now. I mean, the bigger you can bring these oh, kids yeah, in, absolutely. and the bigger you can make their eyeballs get when they come in there and see everything, you know. Especially if you're a school, you know, you guys have won some Big East titles and you know things like that. If you're a school, uh, say like you know Kansas or Iowa State, that's never really won anything as far as you know a major title or major conference title, <laughs> at least in modern era. Um, you know that the facilities are going to be everything for you because you're going to be able to say look you know we now have the history but look at what we're doing we're making progress so you know anytime you yeah. can add that that's a big deal for recruiting um yeah and I, I hate to even say this but like it was almost when we were in the big east towards the tail end of the the big east being in existence in football it was almost kind of to us as west virginia fans getting boring because we didn't have that big time game every year like i said i mean Pitt was like our, our one-time game of the year that was i guess the the so-called game that you would circle on the schedule but it wasn't it was it was losing its power because Pitt was you know trending downwards and we were like still hanging around where we are now and I mean we were just kind of dominating the Big East Conference there was no other team in that conference that was really really anywhere competing with us and now that we're in the Big 12 I think you know even though we know we're probably gonna lose a couple games a year it's just fun to have these teams like I said earlier come in every single year and be able to have this game you know these big time games on TV on national TV everyone can see him give us exposure and we just love it it's something we're not used to and we're, we're still getting used to yeah yeah I, I definitely get that um <clears throat> kind of rolling back here looking back into the spring and you know overall the perceptions of everything that happened obviously it was the more recent uh event it wasn't something old but just to kind of talk about this first obviously you guys got big news yesterday with will greer being, yes. being eligible just you know kind of talk about what that's going to do for the team it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, and I, I hate to even, you know, say this because I never like to put expectations on a guy or anything like that, or I don't like to compare players. I'm not a comparison guy, 
But last year, uh, shortly after the bowl game lost to Miami, we had spoken to Rasul Douglas, who's obviously now with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he told us that Will Greer is a combination, and I know it sounds crazy off the wall, but is a combination of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but more athletic. Yeah, I saw that's that. That's just what I'm telling you. Yeah, I saw I, that quote. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what I, that, that's not what, what I think or anything. But that's what Rasul told me. He went up against him in practice, and he also said that he makes any receiver look good. And I believe it because I, you know, I've seen him in the spring game. I've seen him, you know, through some practices and whatnot and highlights. The kid's just unbelievable. Well, and sorry, I, I'm one guy who, again, I, I don't like to get built up on the hype. But at West Virginia, we don't get this type of hype much, so I'm all for it. Like, let's let's have some mm-hmm. fun with it while we're at it, while we got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I was gonna say that's not that's not putting any pressure with those comparisons there. Well, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I you know, and I, I think I tweeted something about it from the site the other day about how you know if this kid, li- I, I hope he lives up to the expectations because, I mean, you know, and I'm not putting anything against the West Virginia fans. It's just, I mean, 100% jack to the wall. Every comment I see about him, this kid's going to be a savior, you know, da-da-da-da. And, you know, to kind of get people where some of that may, where some of that may be coming from, um, I watched him at Florida. I remember watching him play. I, I tried to watch him as much as possible and then think back to what I saw, you know, getting in, prep, in preparation for this year. And just a few stats. Um, you know, when he was at Florida there as a freshman, he was, he was 5-0. and He threw for 1,200 yards in those five games. He ran for another 113. Uh, he had a 60, basically a 66 percent uh, completion percentage. I mean, for people to understand too, and again, that may not sound like a lot, especially in the in the age of the Big 12 offenses, but to understand that Florida team was so void of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, their, yes, their best they ath- were offensively challenged. Yeah, <laughs> their best athlete was probably another quarterback that they ended up using every now and then a wide receiver and things. So, I mean, for him to put up those kind of numbers, that's where a lot of this is coming from for people so they understand. The kid showed a lot. I mean, to me, he, he's a really good athlete. I think Actually, I think somewhat of an underrated athlete. I remember watching him run, yes. run away from coverage and stuff, and he's very good in, in traffic. He knows how to work his body through people, which, again, I don't know how much you want your quarterback doing that, but he did show the ability to do that. So, um, you know, again, that's, that's where I think a lot of that's coming from. And then, obviously, you know, he had a big day in the spring game. I saw a clip of his passes and everything. Uh, just, you know, is that – did you guys see everything you you wanted to see? Did it kind of confirm what everybody thought he would be in the spring game? Yeah, I mean, I think it did absolutely. I think you know the the biggest thing that we were looking for in Greer, we knew he had the athleticism, we knew he had the arm time, the arm strength, and everything. It was the accuracy that I wanted to see actually be shown on the field, and that he lived up to it perfectly. I mean, there was probably three or four balls that were dropped by uh, actual uh, actually a former quarterback, David Sills, that we got back. Um, he had dropped a couple balls that were right on the money. Um, but the biggest thing was we wanted to see that intermediate pass game improve because over the last couple of years, as you guys probably know, Skylar Howard, our former quarterback, struggled with that very badly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of another reason why we're putting all these expectations on Greer is because the fans at West Virginia, I don't know if you guys followed it as closely or not, but man, did, did we, and I, including myself, <laughs> At times, I, I can be accused of bashing Skylar Howard really bad. I mean, I don't think there there was ever a quarterback in my lifetime at West Virginia that's ever gotten bashed so much mm-hmm. in his time at WVU than Skylar Howard. And I think that's kind of the reason why we're putting all this, you know, all our eggs in one basket with Greer because Howard was so inconsistent, so inaccurate, and just he he 
just ticked off WVU fans so much. Even though he was a great player, I think. You know, at the end of the day, you look at his career, he had a pretty solid career. But, you know, when you take a guy, when you go from a guy like Skylar Howard and your backup quarterback is William Crest, I mean, in one, the one play that William Crest got in against Missouri, he couldn't even get the ball out of his hand. <laughs> so now you go from that to Will Greer, and now Jack Allison is going to be the guy that's going to follow him probably in the next two years, the Miami transfer. I mean, it's just like we want a complete 360. And, you know, the thing with Greer, I think, too, is his vision and his, and his IQ. He has a very high football IQ. I've talked to his dad several times. He lives down here in Charlotte or used to live in Charlotte, North Carolina, head football coach. You know, just he comes from a good family, and he, he's going to do good things, I really think. And a lot of people have him as a, as, as a dark horse for the highs. I don't know if I'd go that far just quite yet, but I'd like to see it. Yeah, and real quickly, when you it's funny you said that talking about how, you know, how hard they were. We actually said that and um we did see some of it and even saw and again it was hard for us not being in we were trying to get into the West Virginia circles. It was just kind of outside looking in. We had seen things yeah. like he had been booed on senior day and all that kind of stuff oh, and, yeah. and we were just like, <laughs> I mean, come on fans, like it's, the guy, it's his last day on their field and you know, all the career and <laughs> I actually compared it to Landry Jones in Oklahoma where you had a quarterback that was just, I mean, really, you know, it, there were some times where he couldn't win big games, but for the most part, I mean, he's the passing record holder for Oklahoma in several different categories, had a great career, played for a long time, but his biggest fault was probably following Sam Bradford. I mean, that, that's honestly yeah, probably the it biggest really thing was. he had. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, I would agree. And I, and I kind of, we kind of can relate to that with Skylar Howard. I mean, Landry Jones to this day, I feel like is, uh, you know, bitter towards the OU fan base and we don't, hear from him much and he doesn't seem to want to come back much and I and that may be the nature of he's just in Pittsburgh and doesn't want to get down here but at the same time you know it's <laughs> it's really kind of regrettable that he was treated so poorly at times so you know I, I kind of could relate to that with the whole Skylar Howard thing so uh Brady, yeah I mean and I, th I think the biggest thing too is we're still hung up on that whole trio when Geno Smith, Tavon Stedman, uh, Tavon Austin, Stedman Bailey were here mm -hmm. and how much you know the, the offense had so much firepower you know, we went through the whole thing with Clint Trickett and then Skylar Howard, and I, I just still think we're hung up on what Geno did. I know he's not doing much in the NFL now, but yeah. no, he's what he did at West Virginia yeah. is, is expectations are through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing after I think it was uh, – I can't remember what game it was, but there was some West Virginia fans basically throwing out death threats towards uh, Skylar Howard, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Dude, it, it got rough. I believe it was actually – Was it the Oklahoma State I loss? I believe it was – yeah, it was the Oklahoma State loss, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think that was it. But uh, talking about Greyer a little bit, uh, what – kind of want to know, you know, you say you got all the eggs in one basket there. What What's kind of your perception if he goes down? Who kind of who kind of steps in, and what's your, what's your confidence level in well, let's just uh, let's hold our breath on that one. Because <laughs> if it, if he goes down, I, you know the whole ship may go down. And I, you know I don't like to to say it like that, but you know, like I said, we got Jack Allison coming in the the Miami transfer, but he's got to sit out this this upcoming season, and then he'll be eligible in 2018. Be playing three. He's got three years to play three. Uh, right now, the only other quarterback that's got any experience on the roster is Chris Chuganoff, redshirt sophomore. He's got a cannon for an arm. He just he's a little lost in the offense right now, and it's kind of crazy because he's been here for three years. Um, actually, going back to lat not this past season, but 2015, the first year Skylar Howard was a starting quarterback. About halfway through the season, when things started hitting, you know, 
you know, hitting the fan. We had lost four straight games. There was some rumor that we were going to pull Chuganov's red shirt and throw him in as a starter over Howard, which obviously did not happen. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a good arm. Chuganov does. He's, he's really good with, with the deep ball. He, he's very accurate deep, deep ball wise. He's just another quarterback that really seems to struggle in the intermediate and short passing games. Uh, and the only other quarterback that's left on the roster is David Israel, who's a, a junior college uh, transfer who just transferred, I believe, maybe a month ago. Uh, we did have Cody Saunders, who was a four-star quarterback out of Florida. He's now off the roster. He's somewhat retiring, kind of like how Clint Trickett did. Uh, he's got a really bad shoulder. I, I don't. He said he overused it in throwing, but he, that thing's been beaten up so badly. Um, one of the uh, people who covers West Virginia, I cannot remember to say the life of me who said it, but they said that the team doctor talked to Cody Saunders and wondered how he even was able to throw a football. That's how bad his shoulder was. Yeah. So now you're looking at if Greer goes down, it's probably going to be chugging off. Um, and, and maybe, you know, I, I'm not really sure, but William Crest is back. He was originally going to transfer from out of the program. Couldn't find anywhere to go, so he came back. Now he's a wide receiver, as is David Sills. So there's two guys that played quarterback before that are now receivers. So, I mean, they could maybe be your insurance. But I I'm, I would assume it's going to be chugging off. I, I had heard when we, we reported that uh, the other day on – we had to do an update show because we were just trying to throw a show together for everybody to fill in for a day we were off. Or we couldn't get a, a, to cover another team. And uh, we put together a Big 12 show, and we reported that. And – I remember reading uh, from one of the reporters in the area, forgive me, I don't have his name, but it was a local paper reporter. Uh, he said that he thought there was a chance that quarterback could go play wide receiver or play another position. Is that in the cards or is he definitely done? Is, uh, Saunders? Yeah, the one that the one that is going to have to leave for yeah. injury. Yeah, it's, it's still basically up in the air. Um, he's technically not on the roster as of right now. Um and he said he was going to stay enrolled at the school. So I don't know what their plan is for him. I have not heard anything. It's almost like they're trying to keep it top secret for some reason. Um, he is an absolutely great athlete, though. I mean, he is one of those kids that, I mean, I, I believe if he wanted to, to play wide receiver, he could learn how to play it and may not be, you know, a starter, but he could be, you know, your fourth or fifth receiver that comes off the bench maybe. I don't know. Um, but, again, with just having that bad of a shoulder, I mean, it's tough to tell because even though you're not throwing, you could take one hit to that shoulder and you'd be done. And yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell. So from what I had heard is he was going to take a medical red shirt. But again, with him not being listed on the roster, I'm not sure if that story is true. Um, I know the team doctor had told him, you know, he sat him down, with, you know, had a conversation with Cody and said, basically we'll look at it as this. You can either play football for the next two to three years and that be it. And you may never be able to throw with your son. He said, how would you feel about that? And after he said that, he said, I'm done. He said, I'm not going to play. I want to be able to throw my son when he gets older. So that's crazy to say right there. I mean, it, when you really get – when you get told something like that to you, I think it really puts into perspective what's important. Yeah. And I, I think that just hit a, a nerve with him. And I think he's making the right decision. I, I don't think he's going to play. But if he does, I think he will have a good, you know, good career. Yeah, and we've seen that at quarterback, and we've seen it in a lot of positions. At Oklahoma, lost several players last year to concussion that were done. They never will yeah. do it again. And they've got one of the country's leaders in, in concussion research on the staff, so I think that's why it's so stressed there. But we've seen it over the year. I mean, David Ash, he had to retire early. He was a heck of a quarterback. Obviously, you guys mm – -hmm. uh, uh, oh, what's his name? The kid from Florida State. Um, 
Trickett. Trickett. Trickett, yes. Yep. Uh, he, I had high hopes for him. I thought he was going to be a really good quarterback, and I was really disheartened to see that he wasn't going to make it last year. So, you know, it, we've seen it happen, and it's really unfortunate when it does. Um, kind of moving over to, to running back, you guys, uh, you know, pack a, a one-two punch at running back that I'm not sure if it's matched in the Big 12 yet. I, I'd have to think off the top of my head if there's somebody that could be, uh, you know, better at one-two. But, you know, Martel Petaway, and Crawford, those are, you know, really good backs. Talk about, you know, them, the kind of spring they had. Do you guys Are you guys seeing the progression from them you'd like to see? Absolutely. Uh, actually, Petaway's kind of been the surprise, um, really, out of out of this whole running back group because he did. He was actually redshirted last year for the first nine games of the year. He came in, uh, got his redshirt pulled right after the Oklahoma loss and was in the o- Iowa State game was his debut. It was the 10th game of the year ran over for 100 yards, and we were just like, holy crap, where'd this kid come from? Why was he not playing all year? And it, the only reason they pulled his red shirt was because Rush Rochelle was out for the year. He was he, he had an injury that just he could not get away from. Uh, Kennedy McCoy was banged up, and uh, Crawford was even nursing an ankle at that point. So it was almost like we had no other option than to throw him in there running back, maybe move Crest the running back. So we pulled the red shirt off him, and he's been the biggest surprise of them all over the past year, I would say, is, is Petaway. Uh, we, obviously, you talk about Crawford. Everyone knows about Justin Crawford by now. I mean, he ran for 1,100 yards and didn't even play a full nine games, I don't think. I mean, there was a lot of games where he was missing two or three quarters at a time with that ankle. Um, but really, the one guy out of this running back group that is probably going to take the conference by surprise is Kennedy McCoy. True sophomore running back, ran for, I believe, let's see, 472 yards last year and averaged six and a half yards a carry, mm-hmm. and that was second on the team. This kid is absolutely dy- you know, just dynamic in the, out of the backfield. He reminds me of Wendell Smallwood from a couple years ago. I saw this kid in high school in North Carolina for his first game. First ever play, they threw a ball out to him in the, in the flat, and he took it for 95 yards <laughs> for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Second play – of the game, he gets a handoff, seventy-yard touchdown. I mean, this kid—he he just makes plays. The only thing with McCoy, he—he he was nursing a, a shoulder last year, so we were obviously banged up in the running back group lot a year ago. So hopefully, if we can stay healthy, I, I gotta agree with you. I don't—I don't like to be a homer at all, but I, I think this could be one of the best running back groups in the country. Yeah, they're, they're, and just their—I mean, the home run ability with these—I mean, it's just scary. Um, you know, we really yeah. got a good look at Crawford against Oklahoma in the snow, and he basically ran wherever he wanted to. So, yeah, uh, he, you know that that I can't remember how many times I was screaming at the TV, "Would somebody please tackle that guy?" So, <laughs> it but, kind of it brought me back to uh, Tavon a few years back yeah. when actually he he ran it. Yeah, he ran the show. But um, I wouldn't also be surprised if we see a fourth running back be uh, on the field this year, and that's freshman Tevin Bush. A lot of people are comparing him to like a Tavon Austin, Noel Devine mix. The only thing is that everyone's doubting him on is his height. He's only five foot five. Not they had him listed at five eight when he was committed, but when he got on the roster, he's five foot five. Yeah, he is very tiny, but he is very very shifty and very very quick. So he's going to see the field a bunch. I don't know how much on offense, but I'm sure he'll see some on the return game. Well, the reason you know with the focus on running back and how much talent you guys got there. Uh, the reason I wanted to harp on that is, you know, Jake Spavitol being the new offensive coordinator this year for you guys, I, you know, I don't want to sound negative, but he's not exactly been the most run-happy guy uh, from what yeah. we can tell in his history. Um, you know, how much is that a concern for you guys? Uh, you know, obviously you guys are going to need to run the ball. 
you're not going to win a Big 12 title if you can't run the ball. And obviously with the talent there, you guys have to run the ball. So, you know, uh, how much of a concern is that for you guys that that maybe you may not at least get out the gate like you should when it comes to running the ball? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting because as soon as Dana announced Spavadol's hiring to come back to West Virginia, he immediately said that he's got all reins of the offense. And that kind of took me by surprise because I still mm-hmm. thought even though we got Spavadol back, he was still going to call the plays. He gave up all play calling duties to Spavadol, and he said, I'm just going to sit back and watch be the CEO and just let him do his thing. He said, I'm going to hang around him during the games, and I'm, I'm not going to say nothing, but he's going to have you know the whole say of the whole offense. So th- that's what's going to be interesting because we have seen this graphic, I don't know how many times, at least I have because I watch all the WVU games, about how each year West Virginia has increased their run percentage or play selection each year since we've been uh, under Dana Holgerson. Mm-hmm. And at first it was in the 39%. Now we're up to almost 58% running. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I think that is going to take a step back. When you have a quarterback like Will Greer, again, that's probably going to you know make him want to throw the ball a little bit more than we have been. Mm-hmm. When you had Skylar Howard a year ago, he's a little inconsistent. He had to run the ball. Um, I, I think the running back group will definitely – help Spavadol realize he's going to need to run the ball a little bit more because, honestly, I'm not quite sure, but I don't think he had this amount of talent at running back when he was at Cal or A&M. So no, no. now that he's got the weapons, I think he may start to realize that he's going to have to do it, and Holgerson's, I'm sure, going to have a say in it during the week of game planning and everything. I think he's going to understand he's going to have to run the ball, and I still think we got a 1,000-yard rusher with Crawford again. I think he's going to go over 1,000 again. I think McCoy will be around that 700-yard range. So I, I think they'll they'll be a little bit balanced, but more throwing the ball this year than we were a couple years ago. Well, you know, it, with Holgerson, you know, traditionally we've kept a close eye on him. Obviously, he was at Tech, and you know, being you know, we have some Oklahoma State fans on staff, and he was at Oklahoma State for a year. He's he's historically known to be one of the branches of this uh, air raid from the Hal Mummy and everything era. Uh, that he likes to run the ball a little more. In fact, I think I even remember, wasn't it, Holgerson, that um, Leach was joking one time about how he lost his his card in the tree because he runs the ball too much? Yeah. So, you know, that that would be something that I would have had, you know, reassurance on except for the fact that you just said, he's going to hand him the reins. Now, obviously we would, we would expect him, uh, you know, like some of the other CEO type coaches like Bob Stoops was the, you know, they're in those meeting rooms during the week. They do the game plan. Um, but you know, when it comes to just straight up calling the plays, if you're going to let him go, you're going to let him go. So, you know, that, that would be a bit of a concern for me. And, and another side of that too, that is going to be interesting is, you know, offensive line, you guys, you guys took some really serious losses as far as talent that left. Yes. I mean, Tyler Orlowski, the center, and Adam Pankey, I mean, I, I don't uh, forgive me for not having a lot of ton of historic West Virginia knowledge, but uh, or knowledge, but I would think that's two of the better guys that ever stood up for you guys on the offensive line. So, yeah. um, you know, that was a big one. You guys lost three starters, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, Tony Mateo yes. also. So, I mean, you know, talk about yep. that. Have you, did you guys see any progress in the spring? Uh, any reassurance that you guys are going to be able to come back with the offensive line? Actually, I, I have to say I'm a little worried. You know, I, I don't really know. That's the biggest thing about this this team is we're really lacking experience in the trenches on both sides of the ball, both offensively and defensively. Um, offensively, you look at the one guy who's got the most experience uh, or two guys that have the most experience but have not played a whole bunch um, is Kyle Bosch and Yodney Kajust. Yodney 
you know, it's hard to even say this, but I mean, he has been compared to so many great offensive linemen in the NFL by WVU uh, coaches on the staff and everything and the players. They say he's like one of those guys that you can just build on Madden and just create him to 99 on everything. I mean, that's how good yeah. Yadni Kajust is. He just cannot stay healthy. He tore his ACL first series of the, of the year last year against Missouri. Um, so if, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a big, big, big piece of that offensive line at left tackle. Uh, you got Grant Lingafelder, who's going to probably be your left starting left guard, who's got a lot of playing time um, as that second group that comes in to refresh the, the starters. Um, Kyle Bosch, again, the Michigan transfer, who, this would be his third year. He's played a bunch, but he's t- had a couple injuries that's kind of kept him from staying in at full, uh, at full uh, game time. And then uh, the two young guys that really have surprised a lot of people is Colton McKivitz at right tackle, who played a bunch last year actually won the starting job as a freshman over uh, junior Marcel Lazard, who's now gone. Uh, he, he's looking really good at right tackle. They may bounce him back and forth uh, from right to left, depending on, you know, Kajusa's situation. And then probably the biggest surprise of them all is center Matthew Jones. Matt Jones is, you know, we talked about um, on our show between the ears of how big of a kid this is. I mean, Dana Holgerson said after the spring game that Tyler Orlowski was standing five feet away from him. He already forgot about Orlowski. That's how much he loves this Jones kid. He thinks that he's, he thinks the world of Matt Jones and he's only a redshirt sophomore. So he's got three years to build with Matt Jones. And I think him and Greer have a good connection right now. I think them two are going to be the catalyst of this offense, honestly. And I know we could talk about skill guys all day, but it starts up front. Yeah. And, I think uh, Kelby Wickline, son of offensive, or, uh, son of the offensive line coach Joe Wickline, is going to have a huge part. He may get a chance to start. Don't really know. He's probably going to be battling for competition um, come camp time. But it's going to be interesting up front. I'm really, really worried. We struggled a little bit a year ago, even with the guys that we had, like you said. So with them guys now gone, it's going to be very interesting to see if we can live up to where we were last year. Yeah, and again, real quickly, you just reminded me of something. I remember we talked about last year in our recruit, well, not last year, but earlier this year in our recruiting special about West Virginia going after Wickline's son. Uh, and obviously, we had to ask, you know, you have to ask the question: Was that a, uh, you know, a family reach out? Is he worthy of being there? Do you guys get the impression he's good enough to play there? Yeah, he really is. Uh, you know, when I first heard about it, and I was like, man, we're really offering his son, like. <laughs> Because, I mean, we know the same thing is going to come here in a couple of years once Dana's son graduates from Morgantown High School as a quarterback. But when we looked at Kelby Wickline on tape, I was like, man, this kid can actually play. He, you know, he could play guard, he can play tackle, he can even play center. And, you know, that's what his dad, Joe Wickline, he loves to do is he loves to move offensive linemen around. So and you can you can just see that with the way he plays, that he was brought up to play different positions. And he was originally committed to North Carolina at one point, and that we were able to flip him. Uh, so, I, you know, I think the world of this kid, I think he's going to be a big piece in, you know, being able to, you know, play different positions up front uh, for, for this offense. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be an NFL-type guy, but he's definitely going to be a guy that can come in here and start a lot of games for us. Good. That's good to hear. Brady, I've got, got a, I've got a question. Yeah, I've got a question. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, you guys lost three of uh three of the starting defensive linemen. I think it's Brown, Howard, and then uh, Nawakachu, who was kind of the beast on that line. Mm-hmm. What uh, what's kind of what's what's the D line going to look like this year, and kind of what's your confidence level in that in that unit? 
Uh, it's going to be kind of one of those those units that's going to be kind of pieced together, fabricated, I guess you could say, um, with a bunch of junior college kids that are coming in um, that we're re- actually really high on. Uh, the, the two guys that are probably going to nail starting jobs down, if not at least one of them, um, is going to be Jalen Harvey. Uh, this kid is a really thick kid. He's, I think, 6'3", 6'4", 310 pounds, something like that. He's probably going to be playing the nose position, which is what Darian Howard played a year ago, did a great job for us. Um, Jalen Harvey, he's just a big, thick kid. He's he's not going to be your pass rusher by any means, but he's definitely going to be able to 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 stop the run and, and help get you know the linebackers. And when you when we play that three three five defense, you've got to have some push up front because those linebackers have to come down and make plays because you don't have as many guys on the D line as other teams do with four down linemen. Um, Ezekiel Rose is another junior college kid. He he was actually on last chance you. He's Mississippi. Uh, great kid. He's 6'3", 230 they have him listed at right now. He looks a little bit bigger than that, but he's really quick for his for his size. So I think those two guys are going to be guys to look, to look out for. And then you got two guys coming back from last year who were true freshmen, Adam Schuler and Reese Donahue, that are big kids as well, 6'4", 6'5", each, 270, 280, um, that can get to the quarterback. Schuler's probably going to be the guy on, on the line that you're going to have to watch out for. I think he's going to be the leading sack artist. But definitely, anytime you lose the whole starting defensive line, and that's that's going to be a concern. I mean, Wachuku was a big, big piece into that three three five defense for the last four or five years. Not having him there for the first time is going to be a little different. Yeah, yeah. And kind of studying, you know, go up and down this your defense. You know, one thing I said last year, uh, many times last season, and I guess the West Virginia fans probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to hear it yet, but. My opinion, the defense was as good as it was because it was a, a a good storm of older, mature guys that knew their roles, knew what they needed to do. You guys had a lot of experience return. They really knew how to play that three three five. Uh, you know, also a combination of a couple of years of finally being in this league and understanding how to react to these offenses. I felt like it was a really good you know storm of a perfect situation. Um, that said, you guys lose a lot of key players this year and. You know, kind of looking at the linebackers, you guys are gonna. I'm not sure exactly how you say aren't. I think is how you say his last name. Yeah, Justin Arndt. Uh, Arndt and uh, Sean Walters, you know, at, at linebacker, yeah, that's another area where, you know, you guys are going to you're gonna lose, you know, some key players. But in, on the plus side, you do get back six of your eight uh, guys that were kind of key players in this situation. So, you know, what do you expect the linebackers to look like who, in my opinion, play a really key role in this defense and how it performs, you know, because they do kind of have to be all over the field. Yeah, uh, the linebacking core, out, out, after the spring game, we were actually – semi okay with it it wasn't anything great wasn't too bad it was just kind of average um the big thing right now that's kind of hanging around the program uh is is the concern of david long he was probably our best linebacker last year as a redshirt freshman i think he was either led the team in tackles or he was dang near close and right now the word is he's got an injury that may be season ending and that could definitely hurt this team especially defensively uh, not having him, not having him out there. So we haven't heard a word yet on whether the the injury is true. It's just a rumor that's going around. Um, I do know a player that's on the team, um, and I, I'm not I'm not even allowed to ask him if it's true or not because then I could get him in trouble. So I basically kind of have to wait to find out from the university if he actually is hurt or not. So if if he's hurt, that's going to definitely sting. David Long mm-hmm. is probably the best pure tackler on this team. It's not even close. Yeah. Um, the next big guy on this team at linebacker is probably our sheet bent fifth year senior. He's been around the program a lot. Um, he's, he's just a true leader. He's, he's the voice in that defense and 
you know, he's going to have to step up and make big plays if that long injury does happen to be true. Uh, Xavier Preston is another uh, uh, fourth-year senior who's been in the program for four years and we thought was going to play as a true freshman, maybe even start. But for some reason, he's just not been able to get on the field. Don't know if it's with grades or if it's just with performance and practice. But for some reason, he's just not been able to get on the field. And we hope that this year, this could be the year for Xavier Preston. I mean, he has been kind of roadblocked almost at the position, uh, you know, because he sat behind Nick Kwiatkowski for a couple of years. Now, he, then he sat, now he's sitting behind uh, Al Rashid Benton. So it's t- kind of been tough for him to get in there. So I'm hoping we get to see him a little bit. Um, and we have a couple of young guys too, Logan Timmons and Zach Sandwich, who we hope can get some playing time. Uh, but just don't know if they're quite game ready yet is the only thing. What about, uh, you know, you guys had one of the – you guys are starting to get some better recruits and we're seeing them pop up. But uh, I remember, yeah. I remember you know, Brennan Ferns was kind of a big one for you guys. Uh, I guess it would have been Absolutely. a couple of classes ago. How, you know, how how is he coming along? How, what do you expect to see from him? You know, he's doing really good. Um, he's still kind of easing his way back in to, to being 100% full go with that ACL from a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Gibson even said he was good enough to be that second linebacker, that second Mike linebacker a year ago. So he would have definitely played on the, on the field a bunch last year. So I do expect him if healthy to play a bunch again, that first game against Virginia tech, he's going to be a big piece uh, into that defense. His brother, Michael, who used to play for our, on the team and had switched over to fullback. He obviously had left the team and now he's just doing, you know, school, no football anymore. But those two kids, when they were both coming out of high school, were probably the most recruited kids out of Ohio, at least from where they were coming from in that St. Clairsville area. So those two kids, um, like I said, Xavier Preston, Brendan Ferns, are probably going to be the two guys that no one really knows about yet because Ferns being so young, Preston not seeing the field much, they're going to surprise a lot of people in the Big 12. And then also uh, fifth-year linebacker to Hadari Christian, Another guy we thought we'd see the field a lot more uh, by now, but just has for some reason not. But definitely Ferns. He's he's a playmaker. He's all over the field. And and Gibson said he's probably one of the best coverage linebackers he's had in a while too. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. Now. Yeah, it, kind of moving over to to defensive back. You guys, uh, you know, obviously had some some losses, and um, you know, how, you guys look like you're going to be counting on some junior college transfers there and stuff like that. How? Do you have any names emerging that are new to fill in some of those gaps, or is it is still kind of up in the air? It, it's really still up in the air. Um, but there is a couple guys uh, back from last year's team that are kind of my rising stars, I guess you would say, and that's uh, Toyus Avery and Elijah Battle. Elijah Battle was probably going to be the guy that is going to be the last year's Rasul du- – or this year's Rasul Douglas, mm-hmm. where he played a little bit in his junior year, and then his senior year I think he's going to explode. I think Battle's going to do the same exact thing. Uh, Toyus Avery, he's a, a guy that we got from junior college last year. He's got three years of eligibility, so he's got one more year after this year. I think he's going to have a huge part in that defensive back room. Um but then again, uh, we also had the, the Syracuse transfer, Corey Winfield, but we just found out two days ago uh, that he had actually got arrested for a DUI. So I don't know the wow. situation on Winfield right now. Don't know if he's going to be kicked off the team or suspended. Uh, we had the same situation two years ago with Adam Pankey. He got arrested for a DUI and was only suspended the first two games. So it's almost kind of a wait-and-see situation with Winfield. If he is eligible to play and stays on the team, Look for Winfield to probably be your your lockdown guy 
on the outside. I think he's going to help control or at least try and control some of these big-time receivers in the conference. I remember seeing Battle a few times last year really make some some athletic-looking plays, so I'm really excited yes. to see what he does. He's It looks like a heck of an athlete back there. Yeah, he definitely is. I mean, and even when we go to the safeties, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about you know, Kaiser White, obviously the youngest of the three White brothers, mm-hmm. definitely a hard-hitting kid. He kind of reminds a lot of people with Carl Joseph almost. But uh, having him and now Drayvon Askew Henry back is going to be absolutely big for Tony Gibson's defense just because Askew Henry was probably the best defender on the team last year and didn't get to play a single game. Mm-hmm. So having Askew Henry back and Kaiser White back is going to be definitely a huge tandem back there, almost what we have with, with uh, Joseph and Dylan a few years ago. Well, one thing I really noticed about White, too, that really impressed me, and, and again, this can be said about a lot of the guys in the secondary, and it almost has to be as a condition of that defense and how it works. Um, but, uh, you know, White's ability to kind of play center field and judge the ball and, and go get it when he yeah. needs to and all that, I mean, he's really good at that. Yeah, definitely. His his coverage skills are probably the best by far on, on the defense. I mean, he's just he's played so much football. I mean, it, it sucks we only get him for two years. Uh, I wish we would have had all these these white brothers straight out of high school and had him for four years. But I'm I'm telling you, they it's one athletic family. I I I tell you right now, I don't know if there's more one another family another family that's more popular within WVU than, than this family right here. They're going to leave as probably the most well known family inside WVU because they've just contributed so much. Uh, I think Kaiser is going to be a first-round draft pick. I hold, hold me to it. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, I was really put it, impressed. Put it on the boards. He was, he was really athletic, really impressive. I mean, just all around. I, I'm really curious to see what kind of year he has this year. Uh, we kind of I apologize. We kind of missed over the wide receivers. We had a few questions, and I we skipped over. Mm-hmm. Brady, Brady's got one for you real quick. Okay. I, uh, I don't really have much of a question on the on the current roster. I mean, you guys got Gibson coming back, and I think he's going to be kind of the the main guy there. But I had a question about uh, a recruit that that I remember seeing back uh, in '16. Stephen Smothers, I think, is what who yeah. it was. It was like a high. Uh, he was a four star kid, so pretty high recruit. I haven't seen anything on him lately. Is he still with the program, or is he? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just curious to where he's at. That he actually uh, he had gotten released from the program, I believe it was two to three weeks ago. Um, him and Dante Angus, an offensive lineman, both struggle with academics. Um, Angus was a big time offensive lineman. Came out of Philly. I think he was like six eight, three fifty. I mean, he was just ginormous. Both really struggled with grades, and it was back in the spring game. Dana had said something about, uh, well, they they'd asked him about Steven Smothers and. Basically, he just kept ignoring the question the whole time, and he just said, I want to talk about the players that I, that can play football right now. I want to talk about the football players that can play football. So you kind of had gotten the feeling that something was wrong with Smothers, uh, especially last year. When you look at the kid on his high school tape, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. West Virginia fans, anytime you see something like that on tape, you immediately think Tavon Austin. And when a guy like that comes here, you expect him to play freshman year. And then when he gets redshirted, I mean – Something that's kind of like a red flag right there. Something's going on. Um, so it was kind of expected uh, throughout all last year. There was even rumors of him maybe transferring to a junior college instead. But, yeah, he did get released from the program. He's no longer with the team. And th- th- it's going to be a battle at wide receiver. I mean, it really is because, I mean, coming back, you got Karan White. You got 
Gary Jennings, Javon Durant, and that's basically all the production you have coming back. You lost Akil Short, Shelton Gibson to the NFL, so having those two guys gone, your top two produ- you know productive players at the position, gone from a year ago with a new quarterback, it's going to be a whole new process of getting all this chemistry going again. Yeah, that, and you know, you guys, I th- I was real impressed with White. A little bit we got to see of him. Um, you know, Durant. I, he made one of the most impressive catches I've ever seen. I mean, we talked yeah. about that. We talked about that last year. What, what was it? TCU was at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that catch was just unreal. I still am not sure how he hung onto that ball. But you know, what what are your expectations for that? Is he a guy that is just kind of a, a poof, and you know, we won't see much else out of him, or do you actually think he could step up and, and continue making plays? Well, you know, it, it's hard to tell because. His first ever catch at West Virginia was a touchdown. It was a 55-yard bomb from Howard against Georgia Southern. I know it's Georgia Southern, but still, he went up for that ball, and it was the most impressive catch I've ever seen for a first kid's touchdown at WVU I've ever seen. And as soon as he made that catch, it was all over Twitter. The rant's going to be great. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And ever since, he's just kind of been, you know, we don't know. We still don't know. Um, He's definitely got the talent. You know, Dana has said, over the last three years, he's the best wide receiver on the on the in the court. I mean, it's he's he's been saying it, been saying it, been saying it. And the thing is, we just have not got him the ball for whatever reason. I think part of that may have been with Skylar Howard. Part of it may have been the play selection. I don't know. But uh, we saw it about halfway through the year last year. Dana had said in his in his midweek press conference that we need to get the ball to Durant. It's just it's one of those things. When again back to Tavon Austin, we reference that a lot. Uh, West Virginia, but when we had Tavon Austin, you just had to find a way to give him the ball, whether if it was handing it off, throwing it, you know, down the feet, deep down the field, intermediate, short game screens, whatever. You had to get him the ball. Similar thing with Javon Durant. The only thing with Durant is he kind of lacks a little bit of confidence. And I think what if he can just have a, a solid couple of games to start this year, he could emerge as one of the go-to receivers on this core. Um, but I definitely think the the go-to guy on this. Uh, in this in this receiving group right now is David Sills actually the former quarterback he has a great connection with Will Greer they are great they have great chemistry they're great you know buddies off the field David Sills you know we, we saw him switch to, to wide receiver midway through his freshman season uh, and, and he looked really good um, so I think him and, and Gary Jennings are probably going to be your two go-to targets out of the wide receiver group yeah Seals correct me if I'm wrong is the kid that Lane Kiffin offered like 15 years ago right Yes, from USC. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay, I wanted to make sure that was the same kid. Um, yep. And and I'm I'm glad that he's been able to find a footing and do that because you know I worried about that when that happened and, and you know Lane Kiffin did it again. Unfortunately, offered a kid that's about 12 <laughs> years old, and you know I just that whole thing you know and I don't want to get off on a whole tangent here, but that thing bothers me because. You're putting pressure on that kid that he's not ready to handle at that moment. Um, you know, his exactly. His, God knows how that could derail somebody. You know, in a, in a long term effect when they've still got six years or so of of prep ball to play. So you know, I, I'm not a big fan of doing that. It's great for the kid. Uh, obviously, a boost of confidence for them. I'm just. It's great to see Seals still made it. Uh, had a good career because I remember when I saw that. You know. I just, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I, you know, it, yeah. there's so many side effects that could come from that, and it's hard to directly blame it on that, but it, it could. And, you know, I know everybody's kind of oh, responsible yeah. for their own problems and their own faults, but you could easily make a case for something like that derailing a kid's career. Um, so, Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the biggest thing, too, with, with Sills is 
he wanted to play quarterback. And I think it, it all kind of went back to that him being offered so young. I mean, he was groomed as a quarterback. His dad, you know, had put him in all these quarterback camps ever since he was old enough to and as soon as he got to West Virginia, you know, Trickett was leaving in a year. He thought he was going to be able to start almost right away or at least compete with, with Skylar Howard. Mm-hmm. He gets put in that quarterback room about halfway through the season. Holgerson's like, dang, you're a pretty good athlete. We really don't need you a quarterback right now, but if you want to play somewhere else, we can put you somewhere else. Yeah. So about halfway through the season, he sat down with Sills and said, listen, if you want to play somewhere, you know, we'll put you somewhere. And Sills t- said, pull the red shirt off me. I'll go play wide receiver. I want to help this team any way I can. Which also yeah. shows, you know, from David Sills' point that, you know, he's he's a team player. And about halfway, you know, through the season, he was making those plays at wide receiver. End of the year, kind of surprised us all and said he was going to transfer to junior college to go play quarterback. Again, trace, chasing his dreams to go play quarterback. Um, didn't work out for him. He really didn't have all that great of a season. He only completed about 55%, I believe, of his passes at Juco mm-hmm. last year. So, you know, Dana called him back up on the phone. Don't know if you guys have heard how he got Sills back, but Mm-mm. literally this was his recruiting pitch to David Sills. He called him up and said, hey, you ready to come back? He said, yep. He said, all right, I'll see you in Morgantown. <laughs> and that was it. And now he's back as a wide receiver, maybe the go-to guy. So, Well, that's good because you know that means he's really dedicated to the program, cares about the program. Yeah. If it was that easy to get him back, it's obviously a priority for him to play at West Virginia. So, um, just kind of – Kind of wrapping up the the spring and all, you know, special teams real quickly. Is there anything we need to know there? Who the kickers are, returners, any key changes there? Uh, not really anything different. Um, we Billy Kenny and John Young are probably going to be battling it out for the, the punting spot this year. Uh, Kenny did a really good job, I thought, a year ago filling in for Nick O'Toole um, after he had left. But from what everyone's telling me, John Young has an absolute you know leg. This kid can just really boot it. So, I mean, he, I wouldn't be surprised if the redshirt freshman comes in and, and steals that job away from Kenny. Uh, as field goal kicker, Mike Molina looks to still be the guy. Uh, I think Evan Staley may be another guy that is kind of sneaking his way into this group, talk a little bit. But as of right now, I still think it's Molina. That's honestly maybe one of the biggest weaknesses of this team is, is, is field goal kicking right now. We have struggled at it the last two to three years, ever since uh, Josh Lambert was up for the Groza Award. We have just absolutely struggled on special teams, covering uh, kickoffs and, and even returning the ball. Last year, we were, I would almost bet the house on it. We were dead last in punt return yardage and kick, and kick return yardage. I mean, we just had no blocking up front. So I think that's another thing this year that's got to change. It doesn't seem like much, but it can definitely help you out in field position. Coming out of uh, the spring, if you had one question that you just, you know, that was your biggest worry, your biggest doubt, your biggest question, what was that? Man, there's a lot of them. Um, I would probably have to say, man, I don't know. That's a good question. I'd probably have to say the offensive line. Yeah. You know, I'm st- I'm just still worried about you know losing Orlowski, losing uh, Panky, and even a couple of those guys. You know, Matteo as well. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough to see how you know Lingafelder and Jones and McKivitz all play in as these young roles. Um, we're really lacking a depth there defensively. You know, everyone talks about how West Virginia has lost all these starters. You know, we've only got technically three starters back. If if Long is hurt, we'll only have three. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at it, the year before that, we had lost the same amount. We lost eight starters off that defense. So those guys from last year's defense learned from the best that they could have possibly learned from. They learned from Klikowski, K.J. Dillon, Carl Joseph, Darrell Worley, 
all those guys making plays in the NFL now. You look at this group of guys, they learn from the guys who learn from those guys. So when you look at the defensive side of the ball, I'm honestly not too worried about it as much as other fans are Mm -hmm. because as long as Tony Gibson is the defensive coordinator there, I don't think there's going to be much of a problem. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that, that's I'll be I'll be the first to admit my biggest fear for them would probably be the offensive line, too. I just I'm not sure how they're in. Granted, the Big 12 is not the most dangerous when it comes to defensive lines. But we do have our fair share of speed rushers in this league because that's what they're really built to do. So, um, you know, that's obviously going to be an issue um, going into looking ahead real quickly before we get this wrapped up their schedule for next year uh, or this this coming mm-hmm. season. Um, obviously, the biggest the big one there, Virginia Tech. Opening up in Landover, Maryland. Um, excuse, excuse me for not really knowing. Is that you know historically? Is there any bad blood there? Being that it's a Virginia school, or, or you know how has that played out throughout the years? Oh yeah, that's that's one of the biggest old times rivalries that we have. The battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. It is a big, big time game. Uh, honestly, behind Pitt, probably the biggest rival that we have. Um, we've not played them since they left the Big East, I believe. And oh, wow. both fan bases almost almost since last year, since the since the <laughs> announcement of the game have been battling back and forth. They they didn't even care about know. last year. We just want to get to this Virginia Tech game. Mm-hmm. So it, kinda, it's going to be fun to play those guys. We absolutely hate each other. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, I do kind of remember that them the fan bases when that game was announced. I do remember because there are some Virginia Tech accounts that I follow personally on my account, and I. I do kind of remember seeing that. Um, I saw some stuff on Twitter about that today. Okay, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I assume there was some kind of history there, but I don't yeah. remember. And I <laughs> until you brought that up, I completely forgot Virginia Tech used to be in the Big East until you mentioned that. Well, it's kind of yeah. funny too because you go back to the last year's bowl game with Miami. You remember how much crap oh, yeah. they talked on Twitter yeah. for that game? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Apparently, you guys yeah. have some uh, uh, bitter rivals there. Yeah, old Big we, East rivals, and we'd forgotten about that. Yeah. And we got a real good I, I education. Definitely on the, the whole Miami-West Virginia thing real quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, we're basically uh, the Virginia Tech and Miami are the, are the two old Big E schools that we absolutely miss playing because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of bad blood between those two schools. Yeah, and, and again, it's something that, you know, in you know old enough to remember but had forgotten how big a part of the Big East mm-hmm. those schools were and, and it just not something that had dawned on me, you know, and then I saw the Virginia, I thought, well, there's got to be some kind of history there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of navigating through this schedule – you know, I wouldn't say, you know, last year's you guys had a lot of a lot of talk about how tough your schedule was. You know, this year you do get quite a good uh quite a few good teams at home. Um, you know, you get obviously we don't know how good Texas is going to be, but everybody's expecting them to be better. <laughs> Iowa State, I still say, you know, we've talked about this on other shows, people are going to underestimate them early. Um if if they if their playmakers can can live up to potential, they are going to have some firepower that we haven't seen from Iowa State in several years. So that's going to be. Oh yeah, uh, I agree watch. with you. <laughs> uh, obviously, Oklahoma State. You know, going back to what they did to you guys last year, I would imagine that's going to be one that. Uh, you know, there's going to be some history there. You guys wanting to win that game. Obviously, it's a big going to be a big game just in general for you. Um, you know, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Where you know, looking at the schedule, where where do you feel like the biggest pitfalls are or the possible trip ups? To me, I think Iowa State is a key one because it falls between Oklahoma State and Texas, and that can be kind of a trap game for you guys. Yeah, I I agree. I think Iowa State is could be one of those trap games. Um, I, honestly, I'll be straight with you. I, I, you know, I think we start off really hot. I think if we can beat Virginia Tech, I think we can go on a little bit of a roll. The first half of our schedule, to me, is almost well, – I wouldn't say a cakewalk, but it's a lot easier than the back half. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, you got Virginia Tech, East Carolina, Delaware State, Kansas is your first Big 12 game. It's on the road, but it, I mean, you know, no disrespect to the Kansas fans out there, but it's Kansas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, TCU, everyone's high on TCU this year for some reason. I don't know why. I'm still not really high on them. I still think they're a 7 8 win team. I think they're another year away from being back to what they were. I think we can go down and beat TCU. TCU. We've had Texas Tech number almost pretty much since we've joined the conference. So I think we start out 6-0. I'll be straight with you. And then I think we drop two in a row to Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor is a team where the home team wins every year. Uh, ever since we've been in the conference, whoever is the home team in this game has won the game. We've never lost at home to Baylor. We've never won at Baylor. So I think mm-hmm. that trend is going to continue to happen. We just, for some reason, cannot win down at McLean Stadium. Uh, Oklahoma State, they've had our number. It's just one of those things we just can't figure it out. I love Mason Rudolph. He's a hell of a quarterback. they got James Washington. They've got a lot of pieces. I, I'm, they're my preseason Big 12 champion right now. They were, again, uh, a year ago last year, too. So I'm high on the Cowboys. I think they beat us. Um, and the only other game I see us losing is Oklahoma. Uh, just a team we have not beaten since we've joined the conference, and I, I'm not going to ever pick us to win that until we actually win a game. So, join the club. As of right now, I have us going nine and three. I have us going nine and three, give or take a game here and there. Maybe you know a play doesn't go our way, we may end up a little bit worse, a little bit better. I'm not really sure, but I, I have our three losses being Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Well, you know, and if you guys can get by, get by West Virginia, um, you know, or, you do. You're right. You guys do have a schedule that kind of sets up for you at least till you get to roughly mid October. Uh, that yeah. you know, and and that's good because again, you you're gonna have some get young players stepping in. You're gonna have some guys that need to get experience. You're gonna have to figure out the offensive line. Uh, you know, some defensive gaps that you guys are gonna have to fill. So that that's a really good thing for you guys to be able to build up to that. Because yeah, it, it gets serious when you get to late October for you guys. Oh, so. oh, yeah, and that's that's been our biggest issue is it seems like ever since really the program has ever existed at West Virginia, we tend to fall off towards the end of the year. Don't know what that reason is for, but for some reason we t- tend to get in that little skid at the last two, three games of the year. Hopefully it doesn't happen uh, again this year. Kirk Herbstreit, he even outdid me. He says we're starting out 7-0 and before we, we finish 10-3 and is what he has, or 10-2. and Wow. But I, I'm I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a step back on Herbie there. I think we're gonna lose the Baylor. So Okay, that's one we'll definitely keep an eye on. Um I apologize this thing went as long as it did. I know I told you it'd probably be a little quicker. I, I appreciate you hanging in there with us and uh thank you to the West Virginia fans for, for following us and getting in and starting to, you know, look at what we're doing. Uh hang in there with us. Uh you guys will get to see what we're about pretty soon. Um, before we get out of here, is there anything left you want to you want to throw out there that we didn't get to? Uh, and if not, you know, go ahead and tell everybody again where they can find you. Yeah, uh, as far as anything else, uh, I, I don't believe so. I think you know we've we pretty much hit every every base of the team. Um, just kind of look out for, uh, like you said earlier in the show, how the how it's going to pan out on the offensive side with you know Spavadol and Holgerson. Is Holgerson going to let him? call the plays all year long there may be a point where he hits a bowling point and says no i'm gonna take the plays over so mm-hmm. I, I, that's gonna be interesting to see I, I really don't know if he's gonna be able to go the whole year i think he's, he's not used to that so we'll see on that but uh yeah uh again thank you guys for having me on i definitely appreciate it. i've looked forward to this for you know the last few days since we announced it coming out so i, I definitely thank you guys for allowing me and john uh, Stanley to come on onto the onto the team here and uh, definitely go follow us on Twitter at WVSports247 like our Facebook page it's just WVNation.com 
and then also give uh, WNation.com's uh, radio podcast a follow on Twitter as well, at Between the Ears. Uh, and then if you really want to get deep into WVU recruiting, you can follow our recruiting account that we cover. It's nothing but recruiting. It's at DVN Recruiting, uh, and we pretty much stay up to date on that stuff every single day. So definitely glad to have uh, to be on the show, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll be calling you. Um, and, yeah, we very much appreciate you guys being on staff with us. I mean, you guys are going to really help us a lot. Um, yeah, really looking forward to working with you guys. Brady, Colin, you guys got anything else you want to talk to him about before we let him go? No, I think you guys did a, a really good job of covering it. Brady, you got anything? Yeah, no, I'm the same way, man. I just uh, look forward to working with you guys in the future. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely be calling you, and uh, you know, again, anytime we can get you guys input on West Virginia, we'll definitely be having you on the show and all that. And uh, appreciate your patience with us. You know, we obviously had to go do little things a little different tonight. And this mic, <laughs> I hear the pops. I don't have my normal setup or pop filter, so I hear the pops. I apologize for all that. I appreciate you hanging in there with that situation. So, um, I guess if you're good on your end, uh, we'll talk to you here pretty soon. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too, man. Thanks. Take it easy. Good. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, you know, obviously that was uh, Skylar Callahan there from uh, WVU Sports 247 and obviously several other accounts. I didn't realize he operated that many accounts. Um, Big 12 country. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, part of Big 12 country. Yeah, I guess we should say that. So uh, just real quickly, you guys' thoughts on, you know, anything we learned or thought was interesting? Brady? Uh, I mean, for, for me uh, – kind of, I guess, one of the big things was towards the end where he thinks they're going to lose against Baylor. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm of a bit different different opinion there. I, I see that game going a little different, but, I mean, he brings up a good point. They've never won. Either team has ever, ever beat the other at home, so that's uh, definitely a good point. But I just think that West Virginia is going to be a little ahead of Baylor this year in, what, in where they're at. And then, you know, the, the O-line, I think, Whenever he mentioned that being the kind of the biggest weakness this year, I, I kind of agree with him. You lose that kind of experience on the offensive line, it could, especially early on in the season. You know, he talked about getting off to a hot start, uh, but early on in the season, that with that Virginia Tech game, that could be a that could be a real struggle trying to get those guys lined out to uh, you know be ready for that game and be be in sync, be able to open up lanes and pass protect well. Well, yeah, and in, in reference to the Baylor game, anything you obviously have to consider with West Virginia is travel. Um, you know, you got to yeah. consider that being a factor anytime they got to go on the road in this league. And, you know, if you look at the schedule, you got October 7th, they got to go to Fort Worth, then they go back home to play Tech, then they got to go back to Waco uh, to play Baylor again. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot of travel in, in just a few weeks there. That's one thing you do have to take in consideration with them on the road, too, where. You know, it might be someplace we they get tripped up that you wouldn't think normally, you know, on a neutral field would happen to them. But when they, you got to factor that much travel into things. Well, it's basically they're going to the equivalent of Ames every one of their away games. You know, we always talk about the Iowa State's a trip-up game for Big 12 schools, but it's typically because that's kind of the, the farthest road game they're going to have that season. Mm-hmm. You throw in the weather as well, but, I mean, every one of their and, road games are a long ways away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know that that's that 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 could be part of the mentality there, and you know, I, I it's a bad thing for West Virginia, but you've got to assume that there's going to be a road game that they get tripped up on, whether it's fatigue or whatever, that you just don't see coming about every season. So, uh, and, and they're building the depth. They, depth was obviously a huge concern with this team early on in the conference. 
They, they've gotten a lot better at that. You're seeing the depth. They're being able to fight the fight throughout the season. Again, they're late. They've kind of tailed off. And I don't know necessarily that that's just them. I think also that's the nature of the schedule. They've had some really heavyweight games late in the year the last few years. I mean, obviously the Oklahoma one last year and stuff like that. So, you know, they've had some, some rough contests late in the year for them that they've had to deal with. So I don't necessarily know that it's just them fatiguing and wearing out, but also it could be. I mean, they're going to obviously travel more than anybody else in the league So throughout a season. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that continues to, to play out for them. Um, anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? I mean, I, I we really got a lot of information there. That was, that yeah, was a was, really good show. I, so. I was impressed with his knowledge on that. That was It was kind of nice to have the, the insider feed there. Well, it's nice when somebody knows that much about a team and we don't <laughs> yeah. have to carry the weight, so – um brady you got anything else you want to add in there okay well again guys we we thank you for joining us um you know this was a great show we really enjoyed it uh this is again kind of our introduction to you as a fan base uh for you west virginia folks we love having you you know tell your friends about us if you like the show uh you know uh the website again will be up soon we're working on it Uh, i would expect you know weeks from now at some point it'll be up um and we're obviously going to be using your people to help us get that up so um any other news and notes we need to get to uh before we get out of here uh you had the the lincoln riley contract but i don't know if that's how yeah, pertinent that I mean, is to west virginia yeah it's not i mean <laughs> if this was a regular show we might talk about that a little more but yeah um the uh also the you know coming up as far as what we got coming up sunday we got texas yes uh, with taylor uh, we're going to be doing that, so that'll be the Texas show. We're still locking down the, the Kansas and Oklahoma State. Hopefully we know something the next day or two, or I'm going to have to go crazy <laughs> um, and start digging through people to try to find somebody to do it. But um, So that'll be coming up. Again, we'll have uh, the end of July. We'll get into our, our anal- analysis of each team, our previews. Between now and then, I, I would imagine probably just more news and notes of the league. Uh, well, Media Days is going to fall in there, so we'll be discussing Media Days and somewhat nationally, too. We're going to start getting into discussing some of the national picture and all that, too. So, uh, Anything else before we get out of here? You should do it. All right, guys. Uh, well, if that's it, until next time, everybody say bye. See you guys. See ya.